Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to A History of Europe, Kibato's podcast. This is the Russo-Turkish War of 1877-1878, to part one of three. In late February 1992, clashes broke out in Yugoslavia, in the region of Bosnia, between local Muslims and Christians. Hostilities quickly escalated, and though difficult to pinpoint an exact time and date when full-scale war started, it finally ended after many deaths and much destruction of property in 1995, with the independence of Bosnia and Herzegovina. The same region also experienced a violent uprising a century before, in 1875, this time against the rule of the Ottoman Turks, with their capital in Constantinople, today Istanbul. Uprisings quickly spread across the Balkans and resulted in a major war between the Ottomans and Russians from 1877 to 1878. The turmoil in the Balkans from 1875 to 1878, is referred to by historians as the Eastern Crisis, after which a fragile peace was decided, which held until the early 20th century. Bosnia and Herzegovina were then in the far western reaches of the European part of the Ottoman Empire. Wrapped around in a C-shape around Bosnia were the Austrian Habsburgs territories, Croatia to the north and west, and to the south the Dalmatian coast on the Adriatic Sea. Further east along the coast was the small mountainous principality of Montenegro, and to the north and west of Bosnia and Montenegro was the principality of Serbia. The population of the region was extremely mixed, diverse religiously as well as ethnically, with the Croats as Catholics, the Serbs Orthodox Christians, and the Bosnians mostly Muslims. The Ottomans were dominant in the Balkans until the early 19th century. Before this time, most Ottoman subjects had not developed a strong sense of cultural or ethnic identity, 
which can be described as national in the modern sense, and so generally accepted overlordship from Constantinople. Local rebellions had traditionally been inspired by personal ambition, opportunism or specific economic or social grievances. From the early 19th century, however, rising nationalism and demands for greater autonomy led to increasing popular resistance. Not only in Europe, but across the empire, the Sultan's subjects were emboldened to challenge authority. An earlier sense of Ottoman invincibility had been shattered by a string of humiliating military defeats. As writes Robert Bidelow in his book on the history of Eastern Europe, the Ottoman Empire was not a cohesive state enjoying the active allegiance of most of its subjects, but rather an agglomeration of disparate semi-autonomous groups. Nationalism, instead of helping to hold the empire together, functioned as a centrifugal force which threatened to tear it apart. A revolution in Serbia started during the Napoleonic War in 1804 and continued until 1817 when the Serbs obtained autonomy, though still under the vassalage of the Ottomans. Then after a war from 1821 to 29, the Greeks acquired their independence after winning the active support of the Christian powers of Europe. In 1858, Montenegro, after the defeat of the Turkish army in battle, won its independence from Constantinople, although due to its mountainous terrain, it had always been difficult for the Turks to dominate. As described in a previous episode on the Crimean War, the leadership in Constantinople, encouraged by Christian powers, carried out a set of liberal reforms known as the Tanzimat, which introduced greater equality between different religions. Yet the success of these reforms was inconsistent as they met great resistance from established interests and were particularly difficult to enforce on the empire's outer edges. In his book on the Balkans, Misha Gleni writes about the situation in Bosnia. There, the reforms were opposed less by the common subjects than by the local Muslim elites. The Bosnian elite developed a sense of their own identity and strongly resisted reforms from Constantinople. Their Muslim faith was a key part of their identity. Quote, Especially since the Austrian conquests at the end of the 17th century, when many Muslims retreated into Bosnia from Hungary, the Bosnian Muslims had represented the firmest bastion of Ottoman power in Europe. More recently, they had been forced to provide refuge to many thousands of Muslims who had been forced to evacuate the Belgrade region during the Serbian uprisings. End quote. After some bloody struggles in the 1850s and 1860s, the Ottoman central government re-established their authority over Bosnia from the local elites and also reconquered Montenegro, although tensions remained. In his book, Bosnia, A Short History, Noel Malcolm writes how a capable local governor, Osman Pasha, made a number of improvements in what was then one of the less developed regions of Europe. He built new Muslim schools in Sarajevo, permitted the Christian communities to build more schools of their own, 
and built Bosnia's first public hospital. He embarked on an energetic road-building programme and built a railway between the northern town of Banja Luka and Croatia. And he introduced some political reforms, such as the establishment of new courts and the setting up of advisory councils, each consisting of three Muslims, two Christians and one Jew. A notable symbol of the new openness was the granting of permission to build a cathedral in Sarajevo, a sign of the influence of the great powers, Russia and Austro-Hungary, who promoted the interests of the Christian communities within the Ottoman Empire. Local religious tensions were demonstrated in 1872 as the building neared completion and a bitter dispute broke out between the Orthodox community and the Muslim clergy with the latter insisting that cathedral's belfry should not exceed the height of a local mosque's minaret. The ringing of bells was itself a novelty. By long-established custom, no Christian bell ringing had been allowed in Ottoman cities. Serious conflict began in the summer of 1875, three years after the death of Osman Pasha, in part a result of economic difficulties caused by the failure of the harvest. News arrived of Christian peasants in the south of Herzegovina, near the town of Mostar, fleeing into the mountains to avoid paying the state taxes on their crops, but the local tax collectors resorted to violent measures to force them to pay. By the end of July, all the peasants in the region had taken to the mountains and were taking up armed resistance. Soon other peasant risings were taking place in northern Bosnia and large numbers of people fled into Croatia and Montenegro from either violence, taxes or both. Discontent was sharpened by religious differences and Christian rebels were actively encouraged from neighbouring Serbia and Montenegro, including with shipments of arms. The administration of Russia also took a very active interest in events in the Balkans, where a movement known as Panslavism was rapidly gaining popular support, whose proponents argued that the smaller Slav nationalities belonged to a large family of nations headed by Russia. Tsar Alexander II of Russia came under increasing domestic pressure to use military force to protect fellow Orthodox Slavs in the Balkans. The Russian composer Pyotr Tchaikovsky composed his Marsh Slav based on Serbian folk tunes to raise money for the cause. A strong motivating factor behind Pan-Slavism was for Russia to extend its influence southwards along the western coast of the Black Sea and into the Balkans, where their main great power rival was Austro-Hungary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The so-called dual monarchy of Austro-Hungary had a unique constitutional setup, where the empire was divided into an Austrian and a Hungarian half, each with its own government, laws and administration. Control of the armed forces and foreign policy was run by a central authority in Vienna, though each half of the monarchy had to be consulted on major actions, such as the conclusion of international treaties. The arrangement satisfied no one entirely. The Austrian public came to resent the influential result of the Hungarians, while Hungarian public opinion still considered their country to be oppressed because the nation was still not able to assert full sovereignty, independence and freedom of manoeuvre. Within the empire were no fewer than 11 national groups. Germans, Hungarians, Poles, Italians, Croats, Czechs, Slovaks, Serbs, Slovenes, Ruthenians, i.e. Ukrainians, and Romanians. The rulers were fearful of nationalist agitation in the Balkans, triggering unrest among the various ethnic groups within their territories. In particular, the Serbians were becoming increasingly assertive in their ambitions for great power status and of uniting land within Austro-Hungary, inhabited by Slavs with their own principality. Serbian nationalists hoped that their country would be able to bring together the various South Slav ethnic groups together in a similar way to how Piedmont had recently achieved Italian unification. A key turning point in diplomatic relations had been the Franco-Prussian War of 1870-1871, which saw France defeated and Britain left alone to champion the preservation of the Ottoman Empire, and in particular the neutrality of the states of the Bosporus, between the Black Sea and Mediterranean. Russia sees an opportunity, and citing violations of the Treaty of Paris of 1856, signed at the end of the Crimean War, achieved the revocation of those clauses that had prevented Russian warships entering the Black Sea. The continent's three conservative powers... Russia, Germany and Austro-Hungary joined together in an informal alliance known as the League of the Three Emperors, united in their opposition to liberalism. For their part, the Germans, under the leadership of Otto von Bismarck, were keen to avoid a conflict between Russia and Austria for fear of instability in the region and sent ambassadors to St. Petersburg and to Vienna in an attempt to find a generally acceptable solution. 
During the harsh winter of 1875-76, to the Bosnian-Ottoman governor attempted to put down the rebellion, but was only partially successful. The local Bosnian rulers raised their own troops and, fearing an overthrow of power, began terrorising the peasant population. During 1876, hundreds of villages were burnt down and at least 5,000 rebels killed. Noel Malcolm estimates the number of refugees from Bosnia as at least 100,000 and possibly even 250,000. In July 1867, the conflict escalated when Serbia and Montenegro declared war on the Ottoman Empire. They had agreed between themselves that the former would annex Bosnia and the latter Herzegovina. St Petersburg did not support Serbia's actions, but did not prevent about 4,000 Russian volunteers joining the cause, including some 7,000 officers. Serbian leaders hoped by the declaration of war to promote a general insurrection across the Balkans, but other local rulers declined, believing a war would not succeed without the formal support of at least one of the great powers. The Serbian army was poorly trained and ill-equipped, in sharp contrast to the professional troops of the Ottoman Empire, and quickly suffered a number of defeats. This allowed Ottoman forces to repel the initial attacks and drive the Serbs back. Following these setbacks, Serbia petitioned the European powers to mediate a diplomatic solution to the war. A joint ultimatum from the European powers forced the Ottoman Empire into accepting a one-month truce with Serbia, during which peace negotiations were held. The Serbs began to lose heart. However, the increasing flow of Russian volunteers and upsurge in pro-Slav sentiment in Russia was something that Tsar Alexander II could not ignore. He made a speech saying he would try to preserve peace, but indicated support for the Serbs if necessary. Talks broke down, and the war continued with the Serbs again attacking Ottoman positions along a broad front. The resumption of hostilities, however, brought them no better fortune. Fierce fighting on the river Morava culminated in the Battle of Junis on the 29th of October, when a Turkish offensive smashed the Serbian army and advanced towards Belgrade. The European powers now proposed a conference in Constantinople to settle the terms of peace, which must necessarily include Montenegro, whose forces had succeeded in overrunning most of Herzegovina. The war had been disastrous for Serbia. Quentin Barry, in his book War in the East, estimates that one-sixth of the total population had been mobilised, and that 10% of the male population was killed or wounded, and the country's economy completely collapsed. Her forces had proved too weak and unprepared to conduct war against the Ottomans, who demonstrated they still possessed a capable military and enjoyed the benefit of modern guns, such as Martini, Henry Rifle and Krupp Field Artillery. In spite of the military victory, Constantinople was suffering a renewed period of political instability, which led to the overthrow of Sultan Abdulaziz in May 1876. Abdulaziz had acceded to the throne back in 1861, when his brother Abdul Majid died of tuberculosis. He was a huge man, weighing over 100 kilograms, and shared his predecessor's extravagant tastes.
Educated in the Ottoman tradition, he found it difficult to accept the adoption of Western institutions and customs. He admired, however, the material progress in Western Europe and did allow his chief ministers to introduce a number of reforms. Public education was organised on the French model. A new university was founded and legal reforms introduced such as the establishment of a new civil code. Abdul Aziz cultivated good relations with France and Great Britain and was the first Ottoman Sultan to visit Western Europe. There was a major change, however, with the deaths of the chief ministers, Fouad Pasha and Ali Pasha, in respectively 1869 and 1871, both of whom were strong promoters of reform and had exercised power on the Sultan's behalf. Also in 1871, the defeat of France in the Franco-Prussian War led to a loss of French influence in Constantinople. Abdul Aziz was willful and headstrong, and without powerful ministers to limit his authority, became the effective ruler and placed greater emphasis on the Islamic character of the empire. The Sultan boasted of his intention to rule like a Russian Tsar and appointed a succession of grand viziers, treating them as mere figureheads by insisting on their submission to his will and refusing to consult them on the appointment of other ministers. Over time, the Sultan became increasingly domineering, insisting that ministers prostrate themselves before him. Abdulaziz paid particular attention to the Ottoman fleet, upon which he lavished a great deal of money. In 1875, the Ottoman navy had 21 battleships and 173 warships of other types, ranking as the third largest navy in Europe after the British and French. He also opened the first railways in the empire. Unfortunately, the Ottoman state finances were in ruins. A series of loans from Western banks, much of which had been squandered on the whims of the profligate sultan, had left the Ottoman Empire with an enormous debt. In October 1875, the Grand Vizier was forced to announce the government's inability to meet the interest payments on the debt. The disastrous mismanagement of state finances coincided with the crisis in the Balkans and also with growing public criticism of the Sultan for his perceived appeasement of foreign powers. To try and calm the situation, the Sultan ordered the imposition of press censorship and the suspension of telegraphic communications, but to no avail. At the end of May 1876, Abdul Aziz was deposed in a coup and kept under lock and key in a palace on the Bosporus. In the morning of 5th of June, he asked for a pair of scissors to trim his beard. Shortly afterwards, he was found dead in a pool of blood, flowing from two wounds in his arms. His death a few days later was attributed to suicide, but there were suspicions he was assassinated. The accession of the former Sultan's 35-year-old nephew, Murad V, was widely welcomed. As a young man, he had shown notable intelligence. He received a good education and was widely read in both Turkish and European literature. In 1867, he had accompanied Abdul Aziz on his European tour and made a favourable impression. During the tour, he secretly contacted members of the exiled nationalist liberal group called the Young Turks. His uncle didn't approve of his associating with radicals and placed him under close surveillance. The years of virtual seclusion, together with the impact of the death of Abdulaziz, imposed strains on the new sultan's highly strung nature 
and triggered a severe nervous breakdown. After declaration by Turkish and foreign doctors, this illness was incurable. Murad was deposed by the same men who had brought him to the throne. He in turn was replaced by Abdul Hamid II, who reigned as Sultan until 1909. You've been listening to a History of Europe Key Battles podcast. If you like the show and would like to support it, please go to patreon.com stroke history Europe. Thank you for all your support. Another great way of helping is by giving a, a good review on iTunes or wherever you found the podcast. Next time, we continue the story of the Russo-Turkish War. I hope you can join me then. Until then, all the best and goodbye. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.